Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Dangerous Prayer series, in which we are challenged to pray for incredible things from God and believe that He will answer. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. We're going to be talking about some of this the next few weeks. Our uh, subject is going to be Dangerous Prayers. Today's the first in a series of lessons on prayers, praise, uh, prayers that we can pray, but we need to be careful about some dangerous prayers. When we pray prayers, if we really, truly have a God that listens, and we pray from our soul, and we pray in faith, he's going to answer those prayers. And so we need to be careful about some things. For example, somebody says, God, give me patience. Well, that means he's going to give you tribulation, because tribulation develops patience. So you've got to be careful sometimes about your prayers. Open your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 25, the 25th Psalm. We're going to be looking today at this entire chapter and picking out a couple of key words, key uh, thoughts in it. And so uh, if you'll look there, we'll read there and we'll read the entire chapter in a few moments. Have you ever, uh, <clears throat> have you ever volunteered to do something and, uh, when you volunteered, you didn't really know what you're getting into. Have you ever done that? And you volunteered and you said to somebody, well, what is it you need? What is it you want? And they tell you, I need, you know, the toilet's plugged up. I need you to go and plug the toilet. Or I need you to do this or that. I asked my wife the other day, honey, what can I do for you? She said, lose weight. <laughs> said, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes the things that people want you to do are easier said than done. Amen. <laughs> and so uh, when we think about this and we uh, ask somebody something, we need to be prepared for the answer. The same thing with the Lord. In this psalm that David writes for us, it's written at a time when he's going through some difficulties with his son Absalom. David has been advocated the throne. Absalom, his son, has come up and taken over. Most of you know the story of that. And so David writes this psalm during that time. Let's look at it. Verse 1. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. God wants us to really be serious when we come to him in prayer. Sometimes we can pray and it's just words off our lips. In fact, God said, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. He said that to his people. And sometimes we can be that way. We can be kind of superficial in our prayers. But David says, I lift up my soul to you. Verse 2. O my God. I trust in thee. Verse 1, he said, my Lord, that's Jehovah. And now you Elohim, my God, creator. I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. So he's praying here, and we're going to see kind of a shift in these verses. He prays a little bit, and then he meditates. He thinks a little bit out loud, if you might say that. And then he comes back and prays again and meditates and then prays at the end. So look at it. I trust in thee, let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me, yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed, let them be ashamed which transgress without a cause. Verse 4, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Here's the main thought of his prayer. He says, Lord, show me your ways. Lord, teach me thy paths. 
lead me in truth. He says, Lord, I want you to teach me and lead me, guide me. Verse 6, now he's going into that, well, he's still praying here. Lord, remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have ever been of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake. He says, please don't judge me by my past sins. Lord, have mercy on me. We all need that, don't we? He's a God of mercy. Verse 8, he begins to meditate. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he will teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy namesake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. That's another part of his prayer. Please forgive me. My iniquity is great. And he goes on. What man is he that feareth the Lord? If you have respect for the Lord, the Lord shall teach you. Him shall he teach that which he shall choose. When you revere God, then God will teach you. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. This is a promise here. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. This is a picture of a bird, a dove, let's say, who has its feet caught in a snare, and he's looking upward for help. And that's what God says, uh, that's what David is referring to, you and I. We are snared in the temptations of this world, but we have to look up to the one who will deliver us. He'll pluck us up out of that net. Turn thee, here's a prayer, turn thee unto me, have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. In this psalm, David lifts up his soul to the Lord. He says, Lord, help me. He says, God, I need your help. I need your direction. I need you to lead me. And that's his prayer. He says, Lord, show me thy ways. Lord, teach me thy paths. He says, Lord, lead me in the path and in the ways that you would have me to go. We're going to talk about this prayer a little bit and realize that when we ask the Lord that, in faith, he's promised that he will answer us. Did you know God is not trying to keep his will secret from you and I? He wants to reveal his will in our lives. We'll talk a little bit more about this toward the end, but God has some specific wills for our lives. He has some specific things that he wants with your life. But you and I, we need to seek those things out. Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, lead me, guide me. And that's the prayer that David is praying here. And every situation that we come to, we need to consistently go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do I do in this situation? What do I do about that situation? We need to be in a constant communion with the Lord. The Bible says praying always and with all thanksgiving. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And that's the prayer we see here with David. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this uh, prayer that has been prayed. We thank you, Father, for uh, this time of uh, David praying and what it means to him and what it means to us. And I ask God that you would guide us, teach us, help us even today to be shown your paths for our individual lives. 
in our lives as Christians, and we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. The first thing we see here is the prayer. <clears throat> we've gone over that. We've talked about it. We've read it here. The prayer that David prayed. He said, Lord, show me. Show me your ways. Teach me thy paths, and, and then lead me. That's the prayer, basically, that he prayed here. Have you ever felt like you needed God's wisdom? Have you ever had a time where you just needed God to intervene in your life? He said, Lord, what do I do in this situation? You see, we have a choice, and many times we make the wrong choice. Many times we choose our will. We go by our thinking. We begin to, to uh, go by what the secular crowd has to say. We begin uh, talking about uh, earthly wisdom. We talk to people and say, well, what do you think about this, and what should I do in this case? But the reality is in times of decision, we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do I need to do here? And those decisions are not just big decisions, but I mean every decision of life. We mean to need to be talking to the Lord about it. And as we do that, he gives us a promise. The promise is found in verses 12 and 13. He says, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Who is it that's going to revere God, that's going to have a reverence for God? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. Simply put, the man that God teaches will always be at ease. When, when we go to God and we turn things over to God, God does something in our heart, and he just gives us a peace about uh, the decision or the situation. I remember, and most of you know, I've been dealing with cancer for the last 10 years, and there came a point during that time of chemo and all the different things that were going on. There came a point early in that time where I realized, hey, this is all up to the Lord. Lord, what do you want with this? How are you going to use this? And just turn the whole situation over to the Lord. And we need to do that in the different situations of our life. And he gives a promise. He will answer that type of a prayer. When the man who reveres God trusts in the Lord, and here's the key, we trust in God and we say, God, what do you want me to do? And we take his word, we take uh, how he reveals that to us in our spirit, and we follow the teaching and the leading of the Lord because of our faith in him wanting everything good in our lives. That knowledge and that revelation that he gives us clears the pathway for our inheritance in life and our inheritance with God. It is the path to profiting. Isaiah 48 says this, verse 17, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord God which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shouldst go. He said, I'm the Lord God. I'll teach you, and I will lead you. And uh, as he does that, that allows us to have peace and contentment and joy. They did a study years ago with college uh, kids, and they said, what are the three most important things that you're searching for in life? And it came back. They said, I'm looking for true love. I'm looking for happiness, and I need peace in my life. Did you know the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace? If you want those things in your life, then you need to follow the Lord. You need to go to God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then you need to step out and do what he'd have you to do. We're going to make it more practical in a few minutes. Joshua said this, 
or God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, God said, the book of the law, talk about the Old Testament there, the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So God said, you look at the Old Testament. All they had back then, of course, was a Pentateuch, the writings of Moses. He said to Joshua, you look at that, you read that, you study that, you meditate on that, and then you do what I've told you to do. And then he gives the promise. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. That's the only place in the Bible that uh, tranquility, then you need to follow the teachings and the leading of the Lord in your life. Basically, the Lord is saying, listen to me, trust me, obey me, and you will have a successful, fulfilling life. That's what he's saying here. We see it throughout the Bible. He's saying, just trust me, just obey me, read my word, study, meditate on these things. Let me guide you and lead you, and you can have the type of life that you're really searching for, that you really want. We see these three words. I want them up on the screen. Obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings blessing. When we obey the Lord, he will bless us. I want you to say those three words with me. Here we go. Obedience brings blessing. One more time. Obedience brings blessing. What does obedience to God bring? Blessings. You want blessings in your life? Then God says, just obey me. Look into my word, study my word, search it out, find out how I'm speaking to you as a group, how I'm speaking to you individually as a person, and as I speak to your heart, as you read the word of God and God leads you, then we need to step out and do it. And so obedience brings blessing. That's why David said, Lord, show me, teach me, lead me. He said, I need your mercy, I need your help, I need your guidance. Lord, I need you. Have you been like that? Have you been to a place like that yourself where you've cried out to the Lord, Lord, I need you now? I think all of us would say, yes, I've been there. I've been there. I've been in a place where it just seemed like I didn't know which way to turn. I didn't know what decision to make. And when we're at a place like that, we cry out, Lord, I need you. And you know, when we get a situation like that, we're like David. We begin to reflect back. We begin to look at our past and our sins and say, Lord, forgive me. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry for my past. I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, I need you now. We're all like that. And so David explains that. He gives that to us in an example in this prayer, how that we reflect back and we then say, God, please guide me. Please help me. But the truth is that shouldn't just happen at times when we are desperate. He shouldn't be the last one we turn to. We should be turning to God every single day on decisions in our life where we should go, what we should do. We need to talk to the Lord about that. Uh, there's some things that he's particular about, and then there's many things that God uh, just works in our lives about. We see that God answered David's prayer because we look at the Psalms. The Psalms is a book that's read many times just for comfort. People turn to the Psalms to read back and, and to see how God worked in David's life, and it's a recording for us to look back and think, well, if God did that for David, he can do that for me. And we see that people all over the world read the Psalms. People of other religions, they read the Psalms. One of the favorite Psalms is Psalm 23. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. I shall not want. 
He leadeth me. It goes on. It talks about that. And so we look at this psalm and we see that it's the largest book in, in the uh, collection of the Bible is the Psalms, 150 chapters in Psalms. It has the longest chapter in it, Psalm 119, the longest chapter, and almost every verse is about the Word of God. It has the shortest chapter, chapter 117 is the shortest chapter in the Bible. And the middle chapter of the Bible is Psalm 118. The middle chapter, Psalm 118, has 14 words in it, and the middle two words is the Lord. Do you know everything around the Bible is about the Lord. And so we see the Lord is important to David and to David's life and how that David's uh, prayer was answered. Lead me, teach me, guide me. In the Psalms, we see the Masonic Psalms. We see where uh, David was shown by God about the birth and the life and the death on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. All of that is recorded in the Psalms. Where did David get that? God instructed him. God gave him special teaching, and he was able to write that down for us. And so God answered David's prayer and taught him these truths. He says, show me, show me, lead me, teach me. This word show is used 24 times in Psalm. The word teach was used 108 times in the Word of God. And we see that as we look at these words, show, teach, lead, David is asking God for help. Now, there's an example of this. Just a few weeks ago, our pastor preached on David in the book of Samuel, chapter 30, and how that David and his men had been out to war, and, and they came back, and when they came back, they looked and they saw the smoke rising up where their city, their town, their village had been attacked and all of their wives and children and goods had been carried away. And you remember the story how that the men came, they were weary, they were tired, and they, they cried out and they fell on their face. And they were thinking of stoning David. Remember David's response? The Bible says he inquired of the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, what should I do? Lord, shall I pursue after them? And God answered and said, yes, pursue. And we see a great answer to that prayer. And David pursued and his men, and you know the story, some of them were too tired to go on, but the others went on and they got caught up with the enemy and they fought the enemy and they recovered all. They recovered all the wives, all the children, all the things that were taken and not one man died. Now, why did that great victory happen? Because David went to the Lord and inquired of the Lord, Lord, what should I do? And so we have those times where we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, what should I do? But remember, what we're talking about here is dangerous prayers. You say, well, pastor, preacher, how can this be a dangerous prayer? We're going to look at the peril the peril that's found. God not, God not only shows us what happens when we choose to follow his way and follow his will, but he also shows us what happens when we choose not to obey God. You see, God can lead us. God can speak to us through his word. He can speak to our heart and our spirit, and we have a choice. We have a free will to say, yes, Lord, or we can say, no. No, not now. No, not me. We can tell the Lord no. 
David did that a couple of times. One time he chose his own way and he went to live in the land of the Philistines with the enemies of God because of fear. He was afraid of Saul. He was afraid for his life. And so he left the place of blessing and he went down into the land of the Philistines and uh, the fear drove him down there. Fear is a great enemy of faith. We see it all around us today, don't we, with COVID and all of that. And people are afraid. And they're afraid to shake hands. They're afraid to face one another. Uh, fear uh, is an enemy of faith. And so we see David, he went down there and he got out of God's will because of fear. Another great enemy of faith is the flesh. How many of you here have a body? Oh, okay, that's almost all of us. We, this flesh, our flesh is our enemy. We got to realize that we, we fight the world, the things of the world, the devil, of course, and we also fight ourselves. The greatest enemy we have sometimes is the one that looks at you in the mirror, our flesh. David chose his own way. One day he was up on the roof and he looked down and he saw a beautiful woman down there bathing. You know the story of Bathsheba. And so he saw her. He wanted her and he sent for her and he had adultery, committed adultery with this woman Bathsheba. But it didn't stop there. It led to the death of Bathsheba's husband. David planned it out and he basically had uh, Uriah killed and murdered on the battlefield. And so we see David, because of his choice to follow the flesh rather than to follow the Lord, it caused problems. The baby died. Of course, uh, the family problems that came about that, even the situation that he's in here when he writes this psalm, the Absalom rising up against him, uh, all of that was because of David made a choice to do his will rather than God's will. When we make that choice to say no to God, when God tells us something, when God leads in our life, when God deals with our heart and we say no, we have to realize there's going to be consequences about that. There's a peril, there's a danger every time we pray. If we ask the Lord to teach us, and he does, and we refuse a teaching. If we ask him to lead us, to guide us, to show us something, and we see it, and we choose to say no to God's leading in our life, then there's consequences that are going to come. The Bible's full of examples like that. The problem is always an I problem. The problem of sin, S-I-N, pride, P-R-I-D-E. It's an I problem. We've, I, I feel instead of God's way. But I want, and we choose to do things our way, instead of God's way. Jesus told the disciples as he was teaching them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he said, Ask, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So he gives them a promise there about prayer. He said, just ask. God's not hiding his will for your life. God wants to reveal his will. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. Just ask. Seek for his will. Look for it. Knock on that door of the throne of God. But there's some trouble, some peril, some danger in asking God to lead you and guide you. Listen to what it is. Luke chapter 12 
verse 48. In Luke 12, 48, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. You see that there? To whom much is given. When men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. The Bible tells us when God gives us uh, wisdom, when he gives us leading, that it's going to be required of us now that we have the knowledge. It's required of us. In James chapter 4 and verse 17, we see this. We are responsible for the knowledge that we have and the instruction that God gives us. We become accountable. And we have this warning in James. It says, To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Now I want us to look at this verse, and I want us to just go through this verse together. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, when you know what God wants you to do, and doeth it not, you say, no, I'm not going to do it. To him it is what? Let's read it together. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. One more time. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is it's sin. It's a sin against God. When God leads us, we say, God, lead me. God, show me. God, help me. In that situation, and God does lead us. God gives us some answers from his word. We get some good Christian counsel, and we know what God wants us to do. And we say, eh, I just don't feel like it. No, that's not going to work for me. No, I can't do that. And we say no to God. The Bible says that is sin. So when we come to guidance... We need to come to God for guidance. When we do that, and he gives us guidance, we need to say yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. Are you willing to say yes to God's instructions? Are you willing to say yes and obey his teaching when he teaches you something? When you're at church or when you're reading your Bible or when uh, you're here on Thursday night and, and the word of God is being taught and God speaks to your heart, are you willing to say, yes, okay, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I will follow you, your leading. Are you willing to wait for his timing like David did? David had to wait for the right timing to be crowned king. And all that time he was being chased by Saul and, and all of that. We've heard about it during the uh, past series. And uh, he had to wait. And are you willing to wait for the answer to come? So we have to be willing. When we decide to seek God's will in every situation, that's when we get on the path of restoration. God will help us when we choose to obey him. See, that's the key to salvation, isn't it? We come to the end of ourselves. We realize that we cannot erase our sin. We cannot do enough good deeds to uh, make it to heaven. There's no way for us to work our way to heaven. And we come to that place where we look for an answer and we find the answer that God gives us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave Jesus Christ to us. And Jesus, the son of God, came to this earth and he lived a perfect life, never sinned, but he died on the cross. The Bible says we die because of sin. Jesus had no sin, so when he died on the cross, he died for your sin and my sin. So we see this in salvation. We come to that point and we say, oh God, please forgive me of my sin. I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. 
Jesus, who died on the cross, was buried and rose again, proving that he is the Son of God, proving that he has power over death. And we say from our heart, I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, Lord, save me. And so we see this illustrated there in salvation. But we have a choice. We hear the gospel. We hear the good news. We've heard the story that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, rose again. We've heard that. And we make a choice. We say, no, I'm not going to accept him right now. And we put it off and we say, no, then we're going to suffer the consequences. And the eternal consequences of saying to no in the area of salvation is a place called hell, separated from God for eternity. You see, our sins have separated us from God. Jesus took those sins away, but if we say no to his pardon, we will spend eternity away from God in a place called hell. Consider this. Whatever you have lost in the past, as you seek for God's instruction and you seek for him to help restore things, like salvation, we were lost and now we're found. We were headed for hell and now we're headed to heaven because we trust Christ. And if we begin to consider that, we find that our earthly situations that we face can be solved the same way, by listening to the word of God, by obeying God's word. Marriage. Marriage problems. Listen to God's word and obey what it says. The prodigal child who's gone astray, well, how do we fix that? We turn to the word of God and we look for some answers and we ask for God's direction. Financial problems, disaster, bankruptcy. We're having difficulties in our life. What do we do? We need to turn to God and say, God, show me the way. Teach me, instruct me, lead me. We need to pray this prayer that David prayed and say, God, what would you have me to do? And if we have that heart to say, God, I need your help. I need your help in this relationship. I need your help with these problems I'm facing. We couple that with God's answer and the Holy Spirit. We can find victory if we will trust and obey. Remember the song, the chorus, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Are you willing to trust God and then obey him as he speaks into your heart and into your life? As you seek God's instruction, he will help you. In today's society, there's a lot of problems, a lot of situations where God's help and God's instruction is needed. God is very willing to teach us and to guide us and to help us when we turn to him. Marriages are falling apart. Families are dysfunctional. They are falling apart. People have financial problems. There's fear. There's addictions are running wild. Alcohol, drugs, uh, opioids, pornography, tobacco. All of those things get a grip on people and hold them, and they're in bondage to those things. Maybe somebody here, and you're dealing with that, and you have to cry out, Lord, Teach me, help me, guide me, help me to break these bonds. You see, in America, the land of opportunity, people find themselves sometimes hopeless and helpless. Each day in America, hundreds of people attempt suicide. Every day in America, 87 people 
on the average, succeed and kill themselves. Why do they do that? Because they come to the end of their rope. Why do 1,100 people every day try to kill themselves? Because they say, I just don't know what to do. I've had enough. I can't handle these problems. And they turn to suicide trying to get out of the problem when the answer is right here in the Word of God. They can turn to God and say, God, what do I do in this situation? How do I get out of this problem? How do I overcome this trouble that I'm in? The answer is here. People need to be willing to knock and ask and seek and say, oh, God, God, help me. God, save me. God, uh, teach me. Whatever it is they need, God, lead me. And then they need to be willing to obey the instructions that God gives. Today in this room, there might be people who are hurting. You're facing some tough battles. You've got some decisions to make. Maybe you feel helpless. Maybe you feel hopeless today. But I'm telling you, there's hope in the Word of God. There's help from God. God wants to be a help to you. Maybe you're listening online and you're, you're thinking in your own heart of the situations you're dealing with, the hardships that you are dwelling in your, uh, your world, and you're just concerning, uh, what do I do about this? Well, the answer is in the Word of God. The answer is God has a way. He has a path. He wants to teach you. He wants to show you. But you need to be willing to learn. You need to be willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Remember Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, just come unto me. Why don't you come to the Lord and turn those burdens over to him? Peter put it this way, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He cares about you today. He wants to help you with that situation and that problem. During the 50 years of ministry that my wife and I have had, during these times, we have had multiple times where people have come and said, Preacher, I've got a situation here. I've got a problem here. We're having a difficulty in our marriage, whatever it was. And they would come and we would sit down with them and we would counsel them and we would, we would give them answers from the word of God. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people respond like this. Sorry, pastor, I just can't do that. Pastor, that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, preacher, uh, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. And they've turned away from the conference They've turned away from the instruction and they've chosen to disobey God, ignore God's word, all to their own demise. Their marriage, their family, their relationship, their call to the ministry, whatever it is, it all goes down the drain because they make a decision. I know what God's word says, but, and then you fill in the blank, and they make a decision not to do what God tells them to do. Why? Because they're not willing to follow God's revealed plan. They're not willing to follow his instructions, his will, and his way. Why? Probably because of pride, but possibly it's because of lack of trust. They don't really believe that God has an answer for them. They don't really believe that God's situation will work. Aren't people like that in salvation? Well, it sounds too easy just to, to believe on him and trust him and ask him to save me. That's all I have to do. 
Yeah, it's that simple. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He gives us a promise that we repent of our sins, we realize how lost and undone we are, and we turn to him, and we just cast ourselves totally upon his mercy, and he will save us and forgive us. And people say, oh, that's too easy. Isn't there something I need to do? I need to work it out. I need to give more. I need to uh, be, be a better person. No, you just turn your life over to the Lord, and he will save you, forgive you of your sin. But people look at the instructions of God's word, and they say, I just can't do that. You remember Naaman in the Bible? He was a general in the army, in the Syrian army, and he had leprosy, and they found out a little girl said, I wish he could go to my preacher, my preacher Elijah. He could do something about that, that leprosy. And they got word, and so they sent him over there. He went over there with a band of men and a whole bunch of silver and gold, and he went to uh, the prophet, and he said, uh, what can I do to get rid of this leprosy? And the preacher said, listen, you need to just dip yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman's response was, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. We got a lot of better rivers over where I live. Why should I do that? And he left mad. You remember the story? And he said, I'm not going to do it. And one of his men said to him, you know, if the preacher had asked you to go do something big, ask you to fight a battle or ask you to do something uh, amazing, you had to go do it. This is something simple. Why don't you just try it? And you remember the story, how he went down there to that river. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to the word of God. And he dipped himself into that river. And the seventh time he came up, and the Bible says his flesh was clean like a baby's skin because he did it God's way. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Tithing, we say, I just can't afford it. We begin to think about these things and we've put our own thinking into it. We find out that we're going to have difficulties and problems. Here we come to the practical part, the practicality of our lesson today. Meekness and humility are what opens us up to God's teaching and revelation. We see that in verse 9 of the chapter. The meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach in his way. Meekness is an attitude of the heart. Meekness is a dependence upon God. It always wants to listen to God and learn from God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. James says this, Humble yourself, therefore, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The key to doing what God wants us to do is number one, faith, trusting God that he has our best interest at heart. And number two, humbling ourselves and saying, okay, Lord, I'll do it your way. Whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, I'll submit to it. I'll do it. Lord, teach me thy ways. That was a constant prayer of David. The teachable man is a man who has respect for God and says, I fear the Lord and I'll do what he wants me to do. You may be facing a problem or situation today that invites you to pray that prayer and say, Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, guide me. Lord, what would you have me to do? Maybe that's a prayer that you need to pray today. But remember, you'll become responsible for the knowledge, the instruction, the teaching that the Lord imparts to you. 
God loves you and he desires to help you, but you and I must be humble and willing to say, Lord, okay. A little chorus we sing sometimes, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer shall be yes, Lord, yes. Do you have a heart like that that says, Lord, as you speak to me, as you speak to my heart, I'll say yes. I'll do what you would have me to do. There are some areas where God has already led us, and we need to be humble in submission in this. Here's a list of what God wants in your life. From the word of God, he tells us you need salvation. Salvation, you need to be saved. Jesus said, marvel not that I say unto you, ye must be born again. You need to be saved, number one. Number two, you need to be studying the word of God. Study the word of God. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What does God say? What does it mean? How does it affect me? How does it work in my life? You need to be willing to do that and then follow through. We need to be sanctified. The word sanctified means set apart. We need to be set apart. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people. We don't have to go every the way of the world. We don't have to follow like sheep. We need to stand up and say, God, what do you want in my life? And be willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to do that. And we sanctify ourselves. We let him, the Holy Spirit, move in. God said it this way, I am holy, be ye holy. Maybe there's something in your life that's hindering you from being holy, from serving God, from being uh, pleasing to God. Be ye holy, for I am holy. How about soul winning? The Bible tells us you and I need to be witnesses. You say, well, I wouldn't know how to lead somebody to the Lord. It's simple. Just tell them what you did. Just share your testimony with them. Tell them what you did to be saved. The Bible tells us we need to be witnesses. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's talking about missions. We need to be witnesses. We need to be soul winning. And then we see that we need to be serving. The Bible is very clear. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. We need to serve the Lord with gladness. When we say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he shows us, he points it out to us. We need to say, okay, Lord, I'll do that and serve him with gladness. Uh, we had a little saying with our kids about obedience. They grew up and they went to a Christian school and obedience, they gave a definition. Obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with a happy face and a happy heart. That's obedience. Doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it with a happy face and a happy heart. Okay, Lord, I'll do that. And obeying the Lord, serving the Lord with gladness. Stewardship. The Bible says we're stewards. We're stewards of our life. We must all give an account one day, Romans chapter 14. The Bible says you're not your own. You're bought with a Christ with a price, and that was the blood of Christ. And the Bible tells us that it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We need to be faithful in these things of stewardship. Stewardship of our body. Stewardship of our time. Do we waste time? Stewardship of our tithes. Are we a tither? Do we tithe like God instructs us? 
How about the things we have left over, the treasure, stewardship of that? We're going to give an account one day of what God has put in our hands. How about our children, our toddlers? Are we teaching them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? How's our stewardship? Are we stewarding our testimony? Do people see Christ in us, the hope of glory? And then we see, lastly, sending. Sending. How shall they preach except they be sent? Talking about the missionaries over there. How are they going to preach? How are we going to get missionaries over to the uttermost part of the earth? The Bible says we need to send them. In Acts chapter 13, Saul and Barnabas, the Holy Spirit said unto them, said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work I have. And they separated them. And the Bible says a few verses later, and they sent them away. And it means there they sent them away with substance, say supplied. They gave them some money and some different uh, supplies that they needed to go on their trip, their missionary journey. We need to supply our missionaries. Are you involved in missions? Are you involved in giving to those who have given their lives? To say, I want to take them the gospel to lost people over in India or to lost people over in these other countries, and I need your help. Would you support me? And we say as a church, yeah, we'll support you. But we need to say that as individuals. I want to get involved in that. You know, I'm going to be a dollar a week. It might be $5 a week. It might be $10 a week. And you say, you know, I'm going to invest this money into the gospel going out around the world. We need to be involved in it. The Bible tells us that we need to do that. When it comes to missions, let me tell you, you have three choices. You can either go as a missionary God calls you to do that, you need to say, yes, Lord, yes, I'll do it. I'll go. Or you need to send missionaries, get involved in the giving. But there's one other choice. You can choose to disobey God. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go and I'm not going to give. And you choose to disobey the word of God. There's consequences when we disobey the word of God. We know God's will. We have instructions on these issues that are on the board right now. And we need to say, yes, Lord, yes, I'll do what you want me to do. Are you willing to pray the prayer today? Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. Lord, guide me. Are you willing to pray that prayer that David prayed, even knowing that God might ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you? He might ask you to do something. He might lead you by his word or by his spirit, which always goes along with the word of God. And he might lead you to do something that's a little uncomfortable or to you doesn't make sense. Are you willing to obey him when he gives you the answer? Will you say, I will follow you? Consider this. Why should God instruct you, help you, guide you, teach you, if you're not already doing what he's told you to do? Maybe you're here today and you've been saved, but you've never been scripturally baptized and you know the word of God says you're to be baptized after salvation and yet you said no not me not right now maybe you're here today and God's spoken to your heart about being saved you need to say yes Lord yes will you choose today to trust God with your need will you choose today to pray that prayer and say God I'll do what you want me to do I'll go where you want me to go the choice is yours it is his will or your will. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, 
please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.